0: This parrot continues to discuss the laws of inheritance and we've already seen the order of priorities in inheritance. For example, if there are sons and daughters still alive of the dead person, then only the sons would inherit and not the daughters. We also saw another law that if, let's say, there are three sons of the dead person, we don't split the inheritance into three with each son taking one portion. Rather, we split it into four, and the oldest son takes two portions. The b'chor, the oldest son, always takes a double portion, unless if, let's say, the oldest child was a daughter, and there are also sons alive. So the daughter doesn't inherit everything, anything, because there are sons alive. And in that case, the sons would split it equally, because there is no firstborn son, since the oldest child is a daughter. This Mishnah is coming to tell us a law, a rule which comes up in many places. Anybody who says a condition which goes against what the Torah says, that condition is invalid. Now, according to many, this does not apply, this rule does not apply when it comes to monetary matters. Monetary matters is not going against the Torah. And one has the power to do something monetarily, even if the Torah says that it should be done in a different way. However, even according to that opinion, what the Mishnah is about to say is true. HaOimre, one who says, he declares Ish ployni b'ni b'chor So-and-so, who is my first-born son LoYi Tol He will not take a double portion once I die Or Ish ployni b'ni So-and-so, my son LoYi Ashim He will not receive an inheritance Together with his brothers Says the missionary LoYi He hasn't said anything What he said has no legal significance because he said a condition which goes against the Torah. The Torah says that his son will inherit, or that his firstborn son will inherit a double portion, and he has not got the power to go against that. Even though inheritance is a monetary matter, since the inheritance is not yet here, so it isn't viewed as just a transfer of money. He's saying that the law which the Torah says later on, how the money will be split, will not apply. And so according to everybody, one is not able to say such a stipulation. However, that is as heavy as coming in terms of inheritance. But he does have the ability, technically, to give away his property already now. What happens a chalik One who distributes his property to his sons by mouth, and ribo le'echod, umeit he gave over more... ...to one son and less to another son, the or he gave an equal portion to the firstborn, not in accordance to the level of priorities of inheritance, says the Mishnah, his words are established and valid, because he's not talking about the inheritance at all, he's giving a gift whilst he is still alive, a gift, um, somebody's always able to give a gift to their son, now it should be noted, the Mishnah said that he does it by his mouth, in general, in order to give a gift to somebody, there needs to be a real act of acquisition in order to transfer the ownership. I can't just say, this is going to be given to you, I'm giving you a gift that doesn't transfer the ownership over to the other person. But in this case, it does, because we are talking about a shachiv mora. A shachiv is somebody who is lying on their deathbed, and the Chachomim decreed that somebody who is a Shechiv Marah is able to transfer his property to other people even without any legal act of acquisition. We're concerned that if we require him to do an act of acquisition, or that the person who wants to give it to needs to be here in order to do an act of acquisition, this might make the person on his deathbed stressed, which could bring his death closer. And to avoid that, the Chachamim instituted that even by just saying that he wants a certain possession to go to somebody else as a gift, that would be valid. So, to in our case, it's considered to be a gift, not an inheritance. And therefore, he is certainly able to give a larger portion to a particular son, as the Mishnah explained. However, if he mentioned that he is giving it to his children as an inheritance, so now he's shown that he's not doing it as a gift, and therefore, all of his words become nothing, and the regular inheritance laws would apply. Now, what happens if he wrote a document... Instead of just saying, he wrote it in a document that he wants this son to receive this amount and another another son to receive this amount, not in accordance with the general inheritance laws. And he said that it should be an inheritance. However, as well as writing that it should be an inheritance, he also wrote, He wrote either at the beginning or in the middle or at the end of the document, that this is a gift. Then, his words are valid and each son would receive what is written in the document because the fact that he did also write that it should be a gift is understood to mean that it is not an inheritance, but he wants to give it to them now already and therefore he is able to do so. Continues the Mishnah. who says, So and so will inherit me and this person is not related to them. And Bas, this is a situation where the person dying has a daughter, so of course the daughter takes priority over this other random person who is not related. Or if he says my daughter should inherit me." Bain in a situation where he has a son who is still alive. Marcomi has not said anything because once again he is saying a stipulation which goes against that which is written in the Torah. That having been said, and the Gemara explains that he's not arguing on the previous statement, but he is adding on. If he said this regarding somebody who is fitting and supposed to inherit him, for example, if he has let's say five sons, and he says that I want one particular son to inherit my entire, all of my possessions, I would only want him to inherit it. In that case, says the Kayomim, his words are valid, and only that son would inherit him. Since anyway that son is supposed to inherit him, he is able to say that that son will inherit him entirely. And this is a unique law which is learnt from Pasukim. The one has the right to do this, but only if the person he is talking about is anyway supposed to receive a portion of the inheritance. But if he says it, about somebody who is not fit to inherit him, like in the previous case of the mission where he talks about a random person, where his son is still alive and is supposed to inherit him, then his words would not be valid, because he is going against that which the Torah says. Continues the Mishnah if somebody writes his his property, his possessions in a document, La to other people. He writes in a document that he is giving over his possessions to somebody else, then he has his bottles and he left out his children. As we saw earlier on in the Mishnah, this is a gift, he's not saying it should be an inheritance. He's doing it whilst he's still alive, and therefore, what he has done is done, it is valid, but in the spirit of the chachomim, the chachomim are not very pleased with this person. And this should not be done. It's true that you're not going against the Torah directly, but you're clearly escaping what the Torah says should happen with his property once he dies. And therefore, this should not be done. I and mean, in remember Liel says, it's true that in general it should not be done. However, I hold that there is a particular case where this is actually the ideal thing to do. If this person's sons were not behaving as they should, they weren't necessarily keeping Torah and Mitzvahs as they should be, then this person should be remembered for the good that he is not allowing his sons to inherit him because they don't deserve it. Now, Tanakama says that even in this situation, this should, he shouldn't give over his property to somebody else, because it could be that his son's children will be righteous, or that even his sons might do tshuva. And therefore, even in this case, according to the Tanakama, it is not ideal to give over one's possessions to somebody else in order to avoid his sons inheriting him. Mishnah one who says, he declares, Zebani, this is my son. Until today, it was not known at all that this person had a son. He was known to have no children. But he declares before he dies that actually I do have a son and this is, this is my son. So firstly, with regards to the laws of inheritance, this makes a big difference. But as well as that, there's also another area of halacha where this makes a big difference, and that is yibum. The Torah says that if a person gets married and dies without any children, there is a mitzvah on the dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, the widow. And that way he continues the dead man's legacy. And this mitzvah is known as Yibum. And this mitzvah only applies if the person died without having any children. In general, it's forbidden for somebody to marry their brother's wife. Just the Torah said that in a case where the brother died without any children, so his brother should marry, it's a mitzvah for him to marry the widow. But if there's no mitzvah of Yibum, then it's certainly forbidden. So where this person's saying that he has a son, he's essentially saying that there is no mitzvah of Yibum. If there's no mitzvah of Yibim, then the woman is able to marry somebody else. If there is a mitzvah of Yibim, she's forbidden to marry anybody else except for her dead husband's brother. They can do a process in Beishten known as Khalitza, which allows her to marry somebody else. But without that, she's forbidden to marry anybody else. So whether or not this person has a son or not makes a big difference with regards to the laws of yebum as well. So again, the Mishnah says, I'm married somebody who claims that this is my son, Ne'mon. He is believed reason being that in regards to the laws of inheritance there's no reason to think that he is lying because if he wants to give this person all of his property he can do so he can give it as a gift he doesn't need to start making up that it's his son so that he'll get it via inheritance and therefore he's not suspected of lying in that case and also with regards to the mitzvah of yibum, if he wants to make sure that his wife doesn't have to go through yibum after he dies then he can just divorce her he doesn't need to make up this whole story and therefore he would be believed and what happens if he claims Zer-Ochi, this is my brother? Imagine we've got a story, we've got two brothers, Reuven and Shimon. And Ruven gets up one day and he says, I've got another brother, Levi. And Shimon denies this. He says, I don't know what you're talking about. Says Mishnah, in an airman, he has not believed. And Bastin would not accept his statement as being valid. However, the law is that even if a statement is not valid in Bastin, the person who made that statement, if it forbids him in something, or if it affects him in some way... Then he needs to be strict and act in accordance with that statement as if the statement is a fully valid statement. Once he has claimed that he has a brother, he cannot go against that statement. And therefore, if Ruven and Shimon's father dies, and let's assume that neither of them are firstborns, neither neither of them are Bukhur, so without what Ruven stated that he has this new brother Levi, of course Ruven and Shimon would each take one portion of the inheritance, they would split it equally. And because Ruven's statement was not accepted in based at all, Shimon indeed would take half of the inheritance. However, according to Ruvain's statement, he is only entitled to a third of his father's inheritance. And so the she says, this possible brother, Levi, takes inheritance with Ruvain from Ruvain's portion, meaning Ruvain would only take a third and the remaining part of his half would go to Levi. The, The remaining part is now a sixth. Now what happens, so Levi took a sixth of the inheritance, which is what remains from the half which Shimon took and the third which Ruven took. If Levi then dies and he hasn't got any children, and let's assume just to make things simple, that Levi also has not got any other known relatives who are supposed to inherit him. So on the one hand, because Ruvain's statement that Levi is his brother was not accepted by Bastin, so he would not inherit Levi. However, that portion which Levi had taken from Reuven's portion, that sixth of Ruven and Shimon's father's inheritance, the Mishnah says, <laughs> that property goes back to their place, meaning Reuven now takes that back. Now, why doesn't Shimon take it back? Shimon should also inherit from Levi. The answer is no, because according to Shimon, whichever way you look at it, he shouldn't receive it. If you're going to tell me that Levi really is their brother. So then Shimon should have only ever received a third. He wouldn't receive more now. He's already got half. And if you tell me that he's not their brother, then of course Shimon wouldn't get Levi's part. But Reuven would get it, because although his statement wasn't accepted and based in, since this was only taken away from him because of the part of his statement which was accepted, so he now takes it back... As we explained. Now, if Levi received property from another place, what do we do with the rest of his possessions when he dies? Here, says the Mishnah, his brothers would inherit it with him, meaning even Shimon receives part of the inheritance, and Shimon and Reuben would split it equally. The rest of it, because they never denied that Levi was their, their brother. They just said, we don't know, so you can't force us to give up on any man without any proof. All right. Continues A will is found tied to his thigh. He has a document with him, and in that will is written that he is giving over the property to somebody else. Even though a shachiv marah, somebody who is on the deathbed, is able to give over property to somebody else without an act of acquisition, that's if he says it. But if he writes it in a document that he is showing that he only wants to transfer the property with a document. And so, we don't know, maybe he changed his mind. And when she says, the will means nothing, and we would still go according to the regular laws of inheritance, since we are concerned that perhaps the Shechid Mirad changed his mind, and he never actually transferred that ownership over to this other person. Now, what happens if somebody wrote a document saying that he wants to give over all of his property, or some of his possessions, to Ruvain? And then he decided, actually, I want to give it to Shimon instead. And so Zikabala Acher, he gave over the document to somebody else, to Shimon, and he said to Shimon, that which is written in this star in this document, I want you to receive it. And I'm giving it over to you now. Baimuna Yoshin, Bensha whether Shimon is an inheritor or not, of Kayomin, his words are valid, and this would be a valid gift, and Shimon would receive everything which is written in that document. Mishnah Zayn, although the Mishnah here doesn't explain what exactly the case is, Maforashim explained that the scenario is as follows person got married to a woman, let's say Reuven got married to Sora, and he had a number of sons. And now he's coming to marry a new wife, let's say Chana. But he wants to make sure that his sons from Sora will inherit all of his property. He doesn't want his wife to have a right to that property, to be supported from that property once he dies. In general, the widow has the right to be supported from her husband's inheritance. But he wants to make sure that when he dies, his sons will inherit him fully. And so what he does is, HaKezvin Choslovanov, one who wants to write his possessions over to his sons, such that they will receive it only after he dies, he needs to write that he is giving it over to them, from today and after his death. If he just says that I'm giving it over to you once I die, he's not able to do that, because once he's dead he has no control of his possessions at all. He can't transfer ownership once he is no longer the owner. On the other hand, he doesn't want to give over his property to them now, because he wants to use the property. So the only way he can do it is for him to give over the land today, but only fully once he dies. And the Gemara explains that once he does this, the actual land itself belongs to the sons ready from today. However, any uses of the land, as well as anything which is produced by the land, still belongs to the father. The Rabbi Yehuda, that is the opinion of Rabbi Huda, that so you need to write that in the document. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says in Uzzarich, he does not need to write that he's giving it over today. Even if he just writes that he's giving it over to them once he dies, and he writes a date in the document, the, the, that, that day's date... So it's clear that what he means is that it should be given over to them today, but they should only have the uses of it once he dies. The only way he's able to do that is by this arrangement, and therefore he doesn't need to write it down explicitly, it would be valid even if he does not write that it should be transferred from today. Continues the Mishnah, one who writes um, his property over to his son for after his death, meaning the situation which we just described, the father is not able to sell that property property anymore because they are written over to the son and the son now owns the actual property. On the other hand, the son is not able to sell it today because it's still in the possession and in the usage of the father and he has the right to all of the uses of that field. Now what happens if the father did sell it? Is the sale totally invalid? No, it's considered to be sold until he dies. Meaning, all of the uses of the field, which the father still retains for himself, he's now given that over to this other person who he sold it to. But that would only be valid until he dies. Once he dies, then all of that would immediately automatically be transferred to his sons, and the buyer would no longer have rights to the uses of the field. Mohrabin, if the son sold the field, they have not got any rights to the current uses of the field, but they have got the actual field itself. So their sale is valid, but just like they couldn't use the field until the father dies, in hen the buyer can also not use it until the father dies. Alright, the Mishnah now says an additional law which applies in such a scenario, the father can uproot from the ground if let's say we're talking about a field. That which grows in the field belongs to the father. He is able to uproot and feed that produce to whoever he likes whilst he is still alive. Uma And that which he left behind, which had already been detached from the ground when he dies, it's no longer considered to be part of the field. And therefore, Shal Yoshin, it would be split in his inheritance together with all of the other property which he has, and the regular inheritance laws would apply to it, because it's no longer considered to be part of that particular field, which he gave over to his sons. Now, the last part of this Mishnah... And the next Mishnah talks about a situation where somebody died and he left behind a number of children and some of the children are much older and some of them are young children. And the needs of older children and younger children are very different. Now, in certain situations, the inheritance is not split up between the inheritors immediately. They don't immediately take their own portion. But they want to leave the inheritance unsplit for now and just share it between them. Says the, Mishnah, is in the older children are not able to support themselves over the younger children. Meaning, if there are certain needs, such as buying clothes, older people would spend more money on clothes than the younger children. But they're not able to spend that extra money which the younger children would never spend on that thing. They haven't got the right to spend more than the younger children would spend on buying clothes. The is Lactanim, and the younger children cannot be fed and spend more money on food than the older children. Younger children would end up spending more money on food, they can take care of themselves less, but they only have the right to the amount of food which the older children would spend money on. And so the Mishnah says, Therefore, they need to split the inheritance equally, and then each one would spend money on clothes and food according to how much he wants and needs, but each one would only have the right to their portion of the inheritance. Nosu ha'gdeilem if the older children got married before they split up the inheritance so they took money from the inheritance says the mission the younger children can also get married and take the same amount of money from the inheritance even if they're not yet ready to get married they can really take that money ready now before it's split up and each one takes the remaining part of the inheritance they have the right to the same amount of money which the older children took from the entire inheritance for the sake of their wedding now, what happens if there were older children who got married whilst the father was still alive? If the Imam Waktanim, if the younger children say to these older children who were already married in their father's lifetime, hari, hari onu nusim, we are going to get married, in the same way as you got married, the same type of wedding which you had and the same amount of money which was spent on your wedding, we're going to spend on our wedding. In Shomun Lahem, we do not listen to them, and they can only take from their own portion of the inheritance for the sake of their wedding that which the father gave to these older children whilst he was still alive and they got married, that's nothing to do with the inheritance that he already gave to them. And we don't take that into account and therefore these younger children would only be able to spend money from their own portion of the inheritance on their wedding. If the person who died left behind older and younger daughters and there are no sons and therefore the daughters inherit the father. In Agadolus, the older daughters cannot spend extra money on clothes, more than that which the younger children spend on clothes, and the younger children can't spend more money on feeding themselves than the older children would spend. Rather, they need to split the inheritance equally. so Agadolus, if the older daughters got married and spent money on their wedding before the inheritance was split, Yisrach then the younger children, can also spend money from the entire inheritance together, the same amount of money as the older children spent. But in a case where the older children got married before the father died, the younger children said to the older children, We want to get married in the same way as you got married in Lohen." We do not listen to them, as we explained in the previous Mishnah. Now, regarding the daughters of a dead person, if they are inheriting him i.e. there are no remaining sons alive, then, as we just explained, the younger children are not able to say that we're going to support ourselves, etc. If they need more money to support themselves for food, they can't spend that if the other daughters wouldn't spend that same amount of money on supporting themselves. However, in a case where the daughters are not inheriting their father, meaning, really, there are still sons alive and the sons inherit... However, we already mentioned early on in this Perek, one of the conditions which are written in the Kasuba, the document which is written up at the time of marriage, is that once the person dies, even if his daughters don't inherit him, the daughters do have a right to support themselves and feed themselves from the inheritance which is left behind. And in that case, if let's say there are older sons who all inherit the produce, excuse me, the possessions of the father, and there are also younger daughters who need a lot of money to feed themselves, in that case, anything they need to feed themselves, they would receive. Even if the older sons don't spend that much on feeding themselves, that's irrelevant. Because here we're not talking about splitting up inheritance, rather their entire right of these daughters is to support themselves. And so the bishop says, <laughs> the following is a stringency. In a case where there are only daughters and they inherit, more than in a case where there are sons alive, and they inherit, and the daughters are just being supported. Because the daughters can be fed and supported, even if the amount which they need to feed themselves is more than the sons require. The But they cannot be supported and feed themselves more than the amount that the other older daughters would need to feed themselves, as we explained.